Good afternoon. This is Rich Nass, Executive Vice President with Open Systems Media, and I am responsible for the company's embedded and IoT groups. And I'm here with uh, my partner in crime, Brandon Lewis. Hello, Brandon. How are you? Good. How are you doing, Rich? Doing fine. Doing just fine. So we're here for this week's installment of the Embedded Experts because we are very, very clearly the experts in the embedded space. Um, and we are experts because we go out and we do research. We attend conferences, we speak to engineers, we speak to the vendors, and we do some design work on our own. And to that end, I believe you're out at an event this week, aren't you? Yeah, actually, right now I'm in uh, the Bay Area, but I was just a couple days ago at the Embedded Linux Conference in Portland. Um, and there, uh, Linus, I always want to say Linus because I watch too much Peanuts, but uh, Linus was speaking, and he said something that is very interesting given the fact that it was the Embedded Linux Conference. What he said is that Linux itself needs to remain a general purpose operating system. So they're not going to be taking any contributions to the kernel that really make it uh, too specific, you know, niche contributions that want to do something like, say, make the Linux kernel real-time and you know, incorporate those into the base of the kernel. Uh, that makes a lot of sense because you know, Linux is used for a whole uh, wide variety of applications, but kind of leaves embedded developers maybe in a little bit of a lurch. Okay, before you move on, let me throw a qualifier in there. Uh, I think you made an assumption that everybody knows who Linus Torvalds is, and that's probably not the case. Oh, okay. Well, uh, mia culpa. Linus, Tor uh, Linus Torvalds is the creator of the Linux kernel, and that happened in the late 80s. Is that correct, Rich? That is when it happened, and I, I guess you're throwing that back to me because I'm old enough to remember it, right? <laughs> yes. <laughs> Um, oh, very good. <laughs> but go on. Okay, so are you, what exactly are, are you saying then with, with respect to Linux for embedded applications? Well, we all know, well, well, again, let me not assume. One of the problems with Linux for embedded, uh, well, two, a couple of them, are that it's really big. The Linux kernel being a general purpose kernel, as I alluded to earlier, uh, means that there are a lot of files in there, a lot of file systems um, that bloat the kernel. So as opposed to a real-time kernel, uh, something from a Green Hills or a Wind River or a Micrium uh, or an Express Logic that is really shrunk down uh, to be a microkernel architecture where basically uh, you just have the bare bones of the operating system and then you can kind of modularly piece in uh, other file systems and networking stacks, etc. Linux just puts all of that stuff into the kernel as it is, um, which makes it really big for an embedded device. I mean, if you're if you have a you know a 16 or 32-bit microcontroller, the Linux kernel probably on the low end you're looking at three megabytes, four megabytes, and that's just way way too much memory. Um, the other thing is because of all of the dependencies that are built into the Linux kernel. Um, the real-time performance isn't there in the, con in the sense of embedded real-time performance. You know, like I need a motor to uh, respond within microseconds if this interrupt happens. Um, so with that being said, Linux is, on the other hand, 
used by so many developers. There are way more people working with the Linux kernel than, say, the RTOSs of those vendors I previously mentioned. And in the Internet of Things, as everybody talks about the convergence of operational technology, which is the embedded side, and uh, information technology, which is the back-end networking, you're going to be seeing some of these IT developers moving down closer and closer to embedded systems and embedded designs. However, what they're going to be using, the Linux kernel, um, isn't really well suited for that. Okay, so now are you, when you did your comparison at the beginning of this discussion, were you, compare, were you comparing Linux to the Linux offerings of those vendors or to the RTOS offerings of those vendors? I was comparing it to the RTOS offerings of those vendors. So, you know, Linux, okay. obviously it's not an apples to apples comparison. Wind River has, you know, a Linux offering, et cetera. Uh, but if right, I didn't know which one you were comparing to. Yeah, so if you're taking the baseline Linux kernel and, you know, not, not considering any of the uh, flavors of Linux that have been reworked uh, versus an RTOS, it's, you know, you're really talking about two different worlds. But, but that Linux kernel is what those legions of developers are familiar with. But the really savvy developer can just pull out the pieces of Linux that he needs. They don't need to use the full bloated version of that. If, you know, if they're not using a particular feature, it, it is possible to pair that out. It is, but you, know, you also start getting into some really gray areas there that you know, if you are a savvy developer, yes, you can go in, uh, screw around with the kernel, um, but you're also opening up the door for, for problems when you start doing that. There are a lot of dependencies within the Linux kernel. So when you start uh, you know, maybe pulling out portions of it and uh, uh, excluding them from your design, you're also opening up the, the, the door for you know, security breaches, uh, you know, dependencies of, of one part of you know, one file system perhaps not operating as you, as you would like it to. And in an embedded context, that's a non-starter. I guess it depends on your application though, because obviously we've seen many examples of bad code and systems that need to be rebooted more than they should be. But, you know, and, and there's lots of applications where it doesn't matter that much, you just hit the restart button. But there's very, very clearly just as many applications where you don't have that option. So yeah, that's a really good point. I think kind of, you know, one thing that did come out of the show though, however, is that there are a lot of developers, to your point, that are working in, in branches of, of Linux that aren't going to be incorporated into the main kernel, but um, have branched off and started doing uh, RTOS-type Linux derivatives. Uh, one of them is Riot. So Riot is a, a real-time kernel that was written from scratch and based on Linux, and basically uh, you just use APIs to call, to call functions um, as you would in Linux. Um, and what Riot uh, is kind of indicative of is those scenarios where you can't use Linux, but you want to. And that was really the theme. It was like, use Lin Linux wherever possible and as often as you can. Stick with Linux. It's what you know. It's what everybody else knows, and it's what's out there. But when you start getting into applications and systems that Linux just won't work, there are things out there like Riot, a real-time Linux operating system, um, Mender.io, who does over-the-air uh, updates, and right now they're still pretty pretty hefty, 
um, in terms of the size of their of their offering, but they're working on something where you can basically put uh, the Mender.io client on a gateway and then have this proxy approach to updating devices so that you don't have to put the fat Linux stack onto the embedded device itself. So use Linux where you can. Um, if not, start investigating some of these other real-time options that have you know, kind of branched off but are still in the vein of the uh, Linux development community. Yep, very fair point. I was with a vendor yesterday, somebody who's very prominent in the Rails space, and we were discussing operating systems, and he said he uses Linux, but they write their own from the ground up. And I was, I was pretty surprised at that, knowing what's available. And, and he said, oh, yeah, we, we've always done that, and we, we will always do that. Yeah. So what are your thoughts, Rich, before we close out, on um, Linux being used more and more in embedded devices? And I know this is a conversation that we've had before, uh, versus RTOSs. It's very much application dependent. You know, and the, and the term RTOS, I always chuckle when I hear RTOS because it's not really real time. What the heck is real time anyway? But it depends on your application. Uh, if, if you're into medical, if you're into automotive, if you're into something that really needs to be secure, uh, I'm going with, with one of the commercial RTOSs. If it's something in the, in the consumer space or, or if it's a piece of something that's in one of those applications, like if it's the UI in a, in a, in a car or something like that, then I'm all for Linux. But it, 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 it's a very application-dependent answer to your question. Yeah. Um, one, one last note is that uh, there, for people looking to use Linux in places where Linux may not traditionally have been used, uh, there are companies out there like Free Electrons. Uh, they're kind of training and uh, design services companies. Uh, I spoke with uh, Michael Oppendocker of them uh, at the Embedded Linux conference, and he had a couple of ideas about compressing some of the binaries that uh, didn't need to be used in a specific application uh, that could help shrink size, and then also doing simple things like doing traces on the code that's actually executing in your design. Um, and mm -hmm. once you've done that, being able to either compress or remove those elements. So uh, if people are interested, that was free electrons. Very good. Very good. Okay. I think we'll put a wrap on this week's Embedded Experts podcast. Thank you, Brandon. I hope you enjoy the rest of your travels. Thanks, Rich.